Move Forward Radio is brought to you by ChoosePT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at ChoosePT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Eric Reese. Too many older adults find themselves in a pickle. They want to feel good, but spend too much time sitting and find themselves out of shape and out of sorts. Andy Layton found an answer to that problem in pickleball, an increasingly popular sport that not only lessened the degenerative effects of Parkinson's disease, but has transformed him into a competitive athlete in his 70s. Most recently, he was named Athlete of the Month for September 2020 by the National Senior Games Association. In this episode of Move Forward Radio, Andy and another prominent athlete, Patsy Lillehei, who's also in her 70s, joins us for a round-robin discussion with physical therapist Becca Georgeray. Becca is a board-certified clinical specialist in geriatric physical therapy who has worked with the National Senior Games and whose passion is promoting physical activity in older adults and healthy aging. Patsy talks about how a request from her daughter in her mid-60s helped her transition from an overweight and underactive older adult to a competitive triathlete, swimmer, and multiple senior games participant a decade later. She has various health conditions and has had injuries that might have stalled someone less determined. Patsy shares why her motto is, motion is medicine. Andy and Patsy discuss the role physical therapy has played in their lives and the support it offers them in staying as healthy and active as possible. Becca shares her perspectives as someone who has researched, witnessed, and facilitated the transformative power of physical therapy and physical activity in older adults. Becca's advice? Don't wait until your senior years to consult with a physical therapist. Here's our conversation with Becca, Patsy, and Andy. Our thanks to all of you, uh, Becca, Patsy, and Andy, for, for joining us today to discuss something that seems uh, particularly relevant during the pandemic, uh, the importance of remaining physically active, however old you are, and all the benefits that you get from that. So um, to introduce the discussion, I'd like to start with you, Becca. Uh, your focus as a physical therapist has been all about healthy aging. It's been a big research interest of yours. You developed a senior athlete fitness exam. You're board certified in geriatric physical therapy. Um, you're a, a certified exercise expert for aging adults, and, and you've worked with the uh, National Senior Games. Uh, Patsy's been a contestant at, at several senior Olympics, and, uh, and I know that, uh, that Andy has some involvement, uh, and we'll be getting to you shortly, Patsy. But first of all, Becca, uh, what was it about this whole area of physical activity later in life and healthy aging that, that so attracted you? As I started to engage with this population, well, I guess even before I started to engage with this population, I was teaching a lot about aging in my classes to physical therapy students. And I would read about all of the things that were sort of typical with aging and all the things that go wrong. There's a lot of things to read about. And often I would come to the end of something that I was reading and they would say, except for older individuals who are active, and then sort of none of this happens or this might not happen as expected. And I really started to emphasize that with my students that, mm -hmm. you know, if you were active, maybe 
um, maybe this isn't, maybe this is only typical because this is sort of what everyone's doing. And then as I started to do work with the National Senior Games and like interacting with um, aging athletes, that really confirmed some of my ideas. And I, I like to sort of um, turn things on their head a little bit and say, you know, what's really possible? And I think that, you know, interacting with a population that was actually succeeding that way helped me to sort of fuel my research and, and teaching. So, so then, Becca, in your experience, what are some of the biggest misconceptions and sort of uninformed notions people have, uh, people of all ages have, when it comes to the, what the body's capable of in, in middle and older age and, and about injury risk? I think that idea that typical aging is what you have to sign up for, that you need to move to a, to a one-story dwelling house so you don't have to do stairs anymore, or that you um, shouldn't work too hard because that could hurt you, and what we really know and what science has already found in so many different studies that maybe don't get highlighted enough is that we can stay much more healthy with aging if we behave a little bit differently. That's one of the biggest misconceptions is that we sort of have to acquiesce as we're aging. And I, I really think that even with disease and, um, you know, things going wrong and, uh, you know, life happening, we can still be really vibrant as we age. Now, this, this is not your fate. This is, this is a possible path, but it can be changed. I think so. Yeah, I really, I mean, there are definitely things that go wrong. I don't want to say that. And, and certainly we all die at some point, but I think our quality of life can really be something that we have maybe a little bit more control over. Mm -hmm. So, um, Patsy, I'd like to bring you into the discussion at this point. Uh, you've participated in several uh, uh, senior games over the past 10 years or so. Um, but I gather that you didn't really uh, consider yourself an athlete until you were in your uh, mid-60s when you signed up for a, a pretty challenging uh, cycling event in uh, 2008 that started you on the path to becoming a competitive marathoner and swimmer. So can you tell us a little bit about your athletic journey from sort of how it started to, to where it's taken you? I think the transformation began in 2008 uh, when our daughter uh, asked me to do the National Multiple Sclerosis fundraising 150 mile bike ride. Um, I had a bike from 1964, good twin. Um, uh, yeah, right, I weighed about 175 pounds. And of course, like I worked, I always would say, sometimes every day of the week and sometimes from sun up to sundown. So of course, I was not going to turn her down because it was Valentine's when she asked me and we had to do it the first week of June. Okay, I started working out over my lunch hour to get into shape, and though I was one of the last people to cross that finish line, I felt such a sense of accomplishment because about three miles out, there in the grass, lay my grandson, my daughter, and a friend waiting right before the finish line for me. <laughs> that was inspiration. So I felt a sense of accomplishment. And I think I counted about 30 people out of 3,000 coming in after me. <laughs> so, and then among her team, um, she had a number of young friends that said, Patsy, you can do the triathlon that happens in July. You know, it's one month away. And if you can do a 150-mile bike ride, you certainly can do the sprint at Lake Nokomis. And I just kept on training because now I had one more week for another goal. And I, yeah, they called out everybody over 60 
I'm the only woman lined up with about 10 or 11 men to do this. And they all asked if I were Deborah, somebody, or they all thought I was somebody famous. And I just kept saying no. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a door that opened to me at that time. I have never missed that triathlon. So I, I I would have been on number 13 this year at that Lake Nokomis triathlon. And a couple of years later, I learned about the YWCA triathlon. So I continue that. I continue to look out for others that will keep me, you know, on my path. Mm -hmm. So I've done a number of them in town. And -hmm. when you talk about them, they can be a 13-mile bike ride up to a 22-mile bike ride. So they're all different and have different challenges. And that's really been fun for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then if I take it to the senior games, that was a huge leap in that I heard that Minnesota was going to be the national host for the senior games in 2015, and that was five years out. And I thought, if I can swim and I can bike, I know I can at least walk around Lake Nokomis. (laughs) So I, I was eager to do that, and I have done the senior games every year since I learned about it. Now, that first year, I called instantly when I heard it on TV, and they said, well, you would have had to have qualified because the senior games you do every single year in the state, mm-hmm. but the national games are every other year. And I've missed the qualification, but they said, you don't have to qualify for triathlon. M- many of the states, including Minnesota, do not have that opportunity to do it in the state. Mm-hmm. So if you can show you've done a couple, you can show up. And that's where I met Becca. I went early to Texas to do a little running. And just to do a little bit of everything to see if I could be ready for this triathlon. Well, I hadn't run that much and my back was so sore. So when Becca was at her uh, booth area in Texas, she just told me exactly what to do. Put your hands in your back pockets of your jeans, look back up into the clouds, stand there, hold it, do it three times. By the time I was ready for the triathlon that week, I was okay. So Becca, I've I've looked her up at every game since. Now in New Mexico, she was just too busy uh, to see everybody, and I could never seem to get in line uh, every time I stopped by. But I've known Becca since then. Mm. Let, let me go back, Patsy, to a couple of things that you said. Like, go back to the beginning. First of all, a pretty dirty trick on your your daughter's part, like uh, giving giving you time <laughs> or asking you to do this thing on Valentine's Day for crying out loud. <laughs> and 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 second and second of all, um, just. Just tell me, uh, t- take me back to that moment. As you describe it, you were not, uh, you were in the habit of working a lot. Uh, you were not in very good shape. I mean, how did you think that you were, you were going to do? I mean, what were your trepidations at that early stage? Well, I didn't have any, no trepidation. I mean, my daughter asked me to do this and she had multiple sclerosis and she had done that 150 mile bike ride herself for five years before she asked me to join her. Now, I will tell you, I didn't know why she asked me. She asked me because her friends were becoming too fast for her, and she wanted me to hold back. Well, I didn't know that. (laughs) But that's really what she wanted. She thought with her mom, you know, that that I would be slow and I would be back with her. Well, she was still a little faster than me then. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't even think about saying no to her. I was in for it. In for the win. Right, and she and and she led by example. I mean, you figured if if your daughter was asking and she has done it, then you're going to do it. Correct. One thing I find really interesting about you is that you worked as a stockbroker for thirty years, and and you used to tell people they'd have to carry you out of the uh, office in a box. It, it turned out that no box was needed when you retired, 
Uh, and now at age 76, you cl clearly have a similar passion for, for athletic competition. Um, I read a newspaper article that quoted you as saying that, quote unquote, motion is medicine. I, I wanted to ask you what you mean by that. And also, what do you think now when you look back at that driven office worker that you used to be and whether you have any advice for other people whose careers are, are all consuming as yours was? Well, obviously, I loved what I did. I believe if you love what you do, you will be successful. I loved working with all my clients mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and helping them, you know, with their wealth. And those were my friends. I wasn't going to leave them uh, ever. I was going to continue working. And it is a profession that you can be needed forever. <laughs> so um, I would say that um, if you have that discipline in your profession where you are, you're always setting goals. Mm -hmm. And then you're accomplishing those goals. I do that all the time now. I'm researching, you know, who swims faster than me? How fast do I need to swim to just like even be there and, and be proud? You know, so I'm always looking at the numbers. I know what numbers I want to accomplish when I go to my meet. When I go to the triathlons, I'm, I, triathlons are totally, it's who shows up. And I have a lot of gold <laughs> uh, as a senior. So it, it, you never know. I just show up and I do my very best and I finish and I'm, I'm very proud of the accomplishment. But okay. I think it does have to do with those two. Um, you know, if you love what you do, the passion is there, of course. Uh, the, the, the goals that you're setting on a regular basis, uh, you're contending. I think I, I call it purpose. Mm -hmm. You wake up in the morning if you have purpose. And mm -hmm. as far as the pills, here's me. Forget the pills. Forget the prescription. <laughs> yes. That, this is where we talk about it. Now mm -hmm. you have those, like you say, daily doses of running, swimming, cycling, and then injections of triathlons and swim races. <laughs> that is my life. That uh -huh. is my life. Mm -hmm. does, does the typical day for you always include some form of exercise? Can we talk about January and February and March? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I imagine you. that would be a little different than right now. Exactly. So it was a, a relationship with the YWCA. Uh -huh. And, you know, as you know, when you're a senior citizen, there is really not a cost because the providers and Medicare, you know, covers the cost are going to the YWCA. So I can participate, um, whatever. I could be there every day if I wanted to. Here's what I did. Monday, that was strength training. That was lifting weights, doing lunges. And then I would swim a mile when I was done with that. Mm -hmm. Tuesday, master swim. After that, do finish if I hadn't swam a full mile, finish swimming the mile, and then go to yoga. Wednesday, personal trainer. And I have a gentle personal trainer. I've, I've learned that through the years. <laughs> Thursday, master swim again. And also what's called high intensity water running. Friday, back to the strength. Now, I, there's yoga that I could pull when there's extra time in the day, always introduce that. And then with my personal trainer, sometimes we emphasize the running. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're running outside, we're running inside. Sometimes we emphasize the swimming. It, it, we just work, you know, as what is needed at the time. How, how about during pandemic? How, 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 obviously, that's, obviously, that's changed, but what have you been able to do? We were fortunate in Minnesota that our governor closed the parkways, and I actually live on a parkway. Uh -huh. And across the street from a bike, I just go across the street and I'm on a bike path. So we could go, and I did, um, the full triathlon distance and on the street uh, for months, we were able to take those trails. And I could do that 15 miles of regular triathlon biking. Um, 
that was good. Then, um, as far as, and it makes me sad to talk about the swimming, so I can't even get there. So then the next thing that we could talk about is I joined a virtual training. Um, I did the Chocoholic Frolic. And the Chocoholic Frolic was in June, they just wanted to see uh, a mile a day. They wanted 30 miles in June. Well, that was easy. I just knew if I walked to the locker rooms at the lake and back again, that was two miles. So I did the, uh, some virtual reality uh, activities that were offered. And then as far as the swimming, it's been really tough. I love the water. And, um, uh, and my son has a, a wave runner and a paddle, stand-up paddle board. Mm-hmm. So I did that last weekend. I did the weekend before and the weekend before that. Like what Becca said, is, you know, things happen. And in January or February, I was diagnosed with blepharitis and like a problem with my eye. So then I began to say, I'm not so sure I want to swim in the lakes this year. And actually, our lakes, the city lakes in Minneapolis, did get E. coli, and they were closed early in the season. Mm-hmm. And then as far as the pool, you know, things happen. Thank you, Becca. That's another whole long story. In that the very first week, they opened up the master swim. Tuesday morning, 6 o'clock to 7. And then the, the structure for doing it. It's a little frightening because you have to mm-hmm. stand outside at 5.30 in the morning. You have to wait until the whole group gets there. Mm-hmm. And then you have to uh, double uh, take our temperature. And actually, this my YWCA's, two of them are in what I would call civil unrest right now on Lake Street in Minneapolis. It's been a tough time here. Yeah. And so standing out there in the dark at 5.30 in the morning just wasn't attractive to me. I had to think about that. Well, then that Friday night, I actually have a new physical issue. And that is the, my hands and the arthritis in my hands mm-hmm. and my thumb. And I blame this on not being able to get into the hot tub because I would basically do my hand exercises. I have a trigger finger that actually ended up deciding to not bend at all on my thumb. Mm-hmm. I went to pour out scalding water from some lasagna noodles and I scalded my hand. Yeah. So I was told you may not swim. So the swimming makes me sad because I can't really respond to you on how much I love to swim. Right. And I have uh, not been doing that like I like to. But, but I took my first personal private swim lesson this past week. And I'm on to four private swim lessons and I'm, I'm back in. Now, now where, where are you able to swim at this point? The YWCA had an opportunity where there would be 30 minutes that nobody else would be in the pool except two coaches Mm -hmm. with two students. So that's all that was in the pool during that 30 minutes was us. And I felt that was comfortable. A quick break to encourage you to move. Physical activity is associated with a reduced risk of chronic disease, not to mention improved bone health, cognitive function, weight control, and overall quality of life. Simply put, more movement is the gateway to better health. Need some help to get going? Physical therapists are movement experts who use exercise, hands-on care, and patient education to help you meet your goals. You can contact a PT directly for an evaluation. Learn more and find a physical therapist near you at choosept.com. So, um, Andy, I want to bring you into the discussion now um, and add your perspectives. You're, you are 73 years old. You were diagnosed with Parkinson's disease about 10 years ago. You'd played tennis in college, but you got involved in uh, pickleball a few, uh, a few years after receiving the Parkinson's diagnosis. And you've played in pickleball tournaments around the country with your wife, Helen, and the National Senior Games Association. And in fact, named you Athlete of the Month for, for September uh, 2020. 
So there's a few things there. First of all, uh, for our listeners who are unfamiliar with the sport, I've heard pickleball described as combining elements of tennis, ping pong, and badminton. Uh, how's that? Uh, can, can you briefly describe what it's all about? Sure, I'd be happy to. And I was wonderful hearing about Patsy's program. Uh, that's just incredible, Patsy. Nice going. Pickleball is a terrific, fun sport that looks like tennis, but is looks like miniature tennis, and it's more really like ping pong. The size of the court, if you took a tennis court and knocked off the back half of each side of the court and just played within the surface boxes mm-hmm. of the tennis court, you'd be close to the dimensions of a pickleball court. You use a wiffle ball that weighs about an ounce. You use a paddle that's a little bigger than a ping pong paddle. And away you go. And I warn you all, it's very addictive. <laughs> Unlike tennis, pickleball is very easy to learn. You're going to have success almost immediately. I was going to ask you how, how you got introduced to it. Uh, my wife got introduced to it because I was still at work before I retired. Uh-huh. And she was uh, shooting hoops, shooting basketball uh-huh. over at the local community center. And she saw some older women, like when I say old, I mean probably over 80, uh-huh. hitting the pickleball. And she wandered over there. She's a former <laughs> college tennis player. Uh-huh. And before long, she was hooked. And now I've been spending the last few years trying to catch up with her talent-wise. Well, it it seems like you've had some success. So uh, I I think it seems like you're getting there. Yeah, we're we're having a great time. There's not a lot of husband and wife teams around, but um, we've done pretty well for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Well, Andy, I wanted to ask you, you, you've credited uh, your participation in pickleball with with quieting your your Parkinson's symptoms and, and slowing the disease's progress. Would you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, there's um, Parkinson's has four classic motor symptoms. And Becca, this is what I was asking some of your students. I remember uh, this. <laughs> remember this? So the four um, markers of Parkinson's are tremor, which everybody kind of knows, stiffness of joints, slowness of movement, which is called bradykinesia. And the last one is most serious, and that is postural instability or falling. Mm-hmm. And I've got three of three. If you have three or four of those, you've probably got Parkinson's. And so I have the first three. But um, I'm doing pretty well because we recognized it early. And my wife arranged for me to get a lot of uh, training in agility, which has helped a great deal. Mm-hmm. Well, how does actually playing pickleball uh, help? Playing pickleball helps because your mind first is occupied with strategy and speed. Pickleball is different from tennis in that it's a lot faster paced. You end up at uh, something called the non-volley line, which is seven feet from the net, and your opponent is there also, and you're tapping balls back and forth as gently as you can, waiting for someone to elevate a ball that can be smashed. Mm. So there's a lot of there's a lot of thinking going on, mm-hmm. trying to figure out where the weaknesses are, what to do, and then there's a lot of physical activity going on where you're coming up going back people can lob balls over your head there's a lot of lateral movement there's a lot of cross your body line movement if you if you drew a line down your body uh vertically uh you're crossing that body line with your arms by swinging at balls and i've been told that's a very good thing to have happen for parkinson's people Mm. listening to to patsy and andy share their experiences what 
What strikes you as particularly significant in terms of what you preach, Becca, about the importance of uh, physical activity in, in older age? I mean, whether or not people take on the role of a competitive athlete, uh, are there teachable moments for all older adults in the kinds of things that Patsy and Andy are doing and, and in their mindset as well, because Andy talks about the mental aspect of it? Well, actually, I think that they're both excellent examples of, again, what's possible with active aging. I think the most important thing is it's never too late to start. And it doesn't necessarily have to be competitive sport, but what I'm definitely learning from this population is it's important to make it fun. And like Andy talks about how addictive, you know, pickleball is now. And Patsy talks about just how great she feels as she's, you know, doing these activities. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important though, to recognize that neither of them started or identified necessarily as being, you know, um, competitive athletes in in younger years, um, or I guess Andy, you played 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 more sport in younger years than Patsy. But um, it, what we're seeing in our in our research as well is that we have all the right parts, and and we're able to engage in these activities, and we can quickly get into shape and start enjoying the benefits of exercise. So I really think exercise is medicine, or what Patsy's saying is motion is medicine. Mm -hmm. That is such an important fact to remember. Um, I talked to a lot of senior athletes who tell me about instances where their doctor said, well, you're going to have to start taking this medication. And that's what it took them to sort of change their behaviors. And then they found that if they change their behaviors enough, they didn't actually need the medicine anymore. And mm -hmm. I think it's hard to get the general population sometimes to believe this and to believe that it would actually be fun and actually work. Right. But that's what, I mean, that's what Patsy and Andy are are both showing us. You really have to believe that it's that it's not work and that, and that it can indeed be fun because it's so easy to just pop a pill or something, whereas it does take some effort to, to get involved in a physical activity. It does. It does. But then when, when, when it starts becoming, you know, your routine and, and something that's so enjoyable, mm -hmm. that's when it becomes so much easier than popping a pill or more rewarding. Yeah, Eric, I just wanted to add yeah. that... Uh, my neurologist who has special training in movement disorders has said repeatedly that physical activity is not like medicine, it is medicine, mm -hmm. literally. Mm -hmm. Instead of going to the pharmacy, you know, you can go to the pickleball court, you choose. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's an excellent point to, to make. Patsy, I wanted to ask you something. Yeah, you have um, uh, something called, uh, and I actually wrote it down kind of in a transliterated form here, so I pronounce it correctly, uh, decor veins uh, tenosynovitis, uh, which is a painful condition that affects the tendons on the thumb side of the wrist. And you have some other health issues as well, as you've alluded to. So what role has physical therapy played in your ability to remain so physically active well into your 70s? Honestly, I have made physical therapy a part of my life, I believe, in that when I spoke about meeting Becca and that, that when I did what she said, I felt good. Mm -hmm. And when I had plantar fasciitis, I did what I was told and it went away quickly. And I know people that can carry that for three years. Then I got TMJ and tremendous pain. Um, and I did the exercises I was told that you know I was given ultrasound and um and and gel and heat and then when I my back was and I will say you know with my father and he was 75 to 100 percent disabled and passed and then the, and my mother with her lifting 
I've had some time periods when the tiny, those, the tens that I was given at um, physical therapy where they'll send the tiny electrical pulses mm-hmm. on the treatment area to increase the blood flow, took away the inflammation. I mean, I got well. I mean, I've come through many of these um, instances where uh, times in your life you were living um, to care for others and you'll, you would develop pain. And then, of course, there's genetics and other things that occur. Um, but the body came through these with physical therapy. That's what I believe. Now, mm-hmm. right now, because of this hand incident that I totally blame on not being able to be in my hot tub and do my hand and uh, feet exercises in the warm tub there, um, I am actually in physical therapy now for my thumb. And I, I hope that the motion will come back. I hope that the upper knuckle will bend again on my left hand. And now, I mean, when I went to the first physical therapy session, a lot of questions are asked about the pain. And mm-hmm. I said, surely I have the pain, but I don't really concentrate on the pain. I concentrate on the functionality of it. I want to be able to move. I want the knuckles to move. So, you know, of course, the hand surgeon wants to operate on both of my hands right now. And so I'm, I'm giving it, I think I get like eight weeks to see if the physical therapy will, I have trigger fingers on both hands. So the other hand, you know, the DIY during the pandemic, we're all doing some do-it-yourself projects. Exactly. I'm holding a paintbrush and, and my thumb finger on my right hand won't, won't let the paintbrush come out of my hand. So it is both hands that have issues that when you're actively engaged, you don't realize that it might stick on you and then it's dangerous. You know, something could happen. I just have faith and confidence currently that I will walk through this path again mm-hmm. with the physical therapy that will bring me to a good and comfortable uh, future. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy, same question. What, what role has physical therapy played not only in keeping you on the pickleball court, but, but also making you more resilient against the, uh, the damage uh, wrought by Parkinson's? Well, I've been pretty fortunate in one sense that I haven't needed too much physical therapy. I did have a shoulder uh, injury associated with tennis that physical therapy was perfect for. I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I went to a local physical therapist, uh, I think about six or eight times, uh, and did the exercises, and that was that. I am one satisfied customer. Just, I was just going to ask uh, Becca, what are some of the ways that the physical therapy can help uh, people with Parkinson's, whether, whether or not Andy actually has had to use the services of physical therapists? You know, that's so interesting because so much of what we do for for someone who has Parkinson's in physical therapy is what Andy's already doing, right? Uh-huh. We we try to get them to be active, maybe be active and engage their brain and really big aggressive movements are so good for this. So he's doing physical therapy through in, in ways that we, you know, we coach and try and get others to do. Which Which would explain why he hasn't had to be in your offices quite as much. Correct. Yes. There is a program administered by physical therapists specifically designed for Parkinson's patients, Mm -hmm. which which I've taken. It's called BIG. And it it emphasizes uh, movements that kind of spread the body out. You know, your arms are above your head. You're uh, stretching. Parkinson's tries to basically shut you down. It tries to shorten your gait. it tries to hunch your shoulders over. And the big program is great for uh, going against those things and keeping you both standing tall 
and sort of stretched out, which is wonderful. And I, I got that from a physical therapist locally. And now I've got the program at home and I've got a certain kind of a pad that I need. And I have weights uh, for my hands and my feet uh, that I need to do these things. And it's quite helpful. Um, uh, Becca, would you talk a little bit about uh, the ways in which uh, you feel people should be engaging with physical therapy, uh, both earlier in life and in, in middle and older age, to best ensure that they can use uh, motion as medicine, as, as Patsy uh, put it, as opposed to uh, over-relying on medications that might have harmful side effects? Yes, yes. I, I think in general, we should think about physical therapy earlier. And as, again, culturally or maybe as a society, we need to think more about preventative medicine, um, preventing things from getting out of control, and uh, addressing them sooner rather than later. So, and like Andy said, he addressed his Parkinson's early, and he's had less issue. Um, Patsy talked about, you know, doing physical therapy even when somebody else wanted to do surgery and either delaying or preventing surgery. And I think that's really what we as physical therapists hope for. Too often, I think individuals want a quick fix or what's being offered is medication or surgery. And um, while those things, you know, might might be a quick fix. They come with a, a lot more risk than what physical therapy has. And sometimes physical therapy can be um, so even more effective than, than something that's less conservative. I remind a lot of uh, older adults and, and senior athletes too that they, they might have to ask their uh, physician or their medical provider, they might have to ask for physical therapy. If it's not something that their provider is really used to because they haven't had as many experiences with it, mm -hmm. it's important for those individuals to, to seek it out and, and request it and tell their provider, you know, this is something that I'm willing to, I'm willing to put forth this effort. I don't need the quick fix right now. I, I'm I'm willing to do this. And I think some providers, um, they look at senior athletes. I mean, they might look at Patsy and say, well, you don't need therapy because you're doing so great. You can bike and you can yeah. swim. Um, but, but Patsy wants to be as good as she can be. So we still need to pay attention to her and her, and her needs, you know, and Andy's not dependent on physical therapy right now, but I would sure hope that if he needed something more, you know, he could say, Hey, I, I would like to, you know, have have some of this intervention, even if I'm not in a catastrophic state. And too often, I think we're dealing with in medicine, you know, treating the catastrophic condition or the thing that's just gotten so out of hand exactly. because we didn't address it earlier and do some of those preventative measures. So that's what I hope to see in, in physical therapy is this ongoing, you know, um, sort of lifelong relationship with PT and not seeing it as a means of putting out fires necessarily. Mm -hmm. Andy, I wanted to ask you something. Um, you know, earlier, uh, Patsy talked about how she's been uh, coping during the pandemic and how she's been managing to continue to, uh, to move and get some exercise and so on. Uh, how has it affected uh, your ability to, uh, to engage in physical activity? Well, I'll tell you what's happened. The bad news is that all of the tournaments have been canceled uh, that we used to play in. I mean, they'll spring back up ultimately, but right now it's very quiet on the tournament trail. Mm -hmm. uh, and even though some of the gyms in our area have reopened, um, my wife and I have not gone back simply because they're indoors. Right. The, good, the good news is that um, we have some exercise routines that don't involve traveling to tournaments or going to the gym. Like I run a couple times a week 
for a couple miles. I have a rowing machine in the basement and I do, uh, let's do four days a week, 5,000 meters, which is about 30 minutes and change. I, I just view every day as sort of a contest between uh, Parkinson's and me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, so a couple other things we've done, we've put a pickleball, most of a pickleball court in our driveway, put down tape, we can play out there. And we even block off our street near our house on Saturday nights and turn it into a pickleball court. We have a neighbor or two who comes <laughs> over to play. Uh. And we have uh, one pickleball court that we use in Arlington where we invite one other couple and go over there and play. There's no one else there, the four of us. Uh -huh. so, so we're doing fairly well. We take, uh, my wife and I take power walks through the neighborhood and actually I've discovered some things that we never noticed before because we've been too busy buzzing around in the car. Yeah, it's, it's funny how that happens. So, um, uh, Becca, it would, uh, it would maybe be rude of me to ask how old you are since we're not focusing on your athletic exploits at an older age in this discussion, but, but I have a couple of interrelated, age-related questions for you as well. Um, one is, do you feel like you practice what you preach about staying physically active? And then the other is, as you continue to age, what aspects of your research and about what you know about physical activity and aging, do you think will in inform how you'll continue to live your life? First, I'll say that I've learned from this group that there's nothing wrong with telling your age. Um, <laughs> so I'm 43, and I see that as I'm seven years from being qualified to be in the National Senior Games. So that's my yeah, goal. <laughs> right. Um, do I practice what I preach? You know, it's so interesting that I, you know, I was a runner before I started this and I was regularly physically active, but I had done some things or limited myself in some ways that I have sort of undone since getting to know these senior athletes. One was that I had given up downhill skiing and, and had said, you know, this is too dangerous. I've seen all these injuries in, in PT and I, sh I shouldn't just, I can't do this. I, I'm, I'm going to move on. That's for younger people. And I, I now go downhill skiing every year with my two kids and have, have decided it's better just to be active. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was, I was afraid of things like I, I hated playing volleyball because it hurt my arms. And, you know, I'm in the midst of doing this research. And a couple of my students came down the hall one night and said, oh, Dr. Georgia, will you come play on our intramural volleyball team? And I was like, oh, gosh, I hate volleyball and I'm scared of the ball. <laughs> and it's my new favorite sport. I play all the time now. And, and I think I've just learned that I, that I need to say, yep. I'll come do that. I'm going to try that. I'm going to learn something new. And, and I know that that's trickling into my brain from what I'm studying, what I'm learning. And, I, and I'm learning that like, I don't always have fun running. So when, I, when that's not fun for me, I just pick something else because these, these athletes are doing things ongoing because they're having so much fun. It's kind of like Patsy and her job, right? Like you love this. And so you're just right. going to keep doing it. Um, I have this, this um, quote that I sort of live by now. Um, that I that I found as I was reading different articles, but it's from a, like a Swedish uh, professor of physiology, and and it, it basically says that you should have to pass a careful physical examination if you intend to be sedentary because it's too <laughs> dangerous to be inactive. And I just I have that printed out and I have it on my door because I believe that. And after watching these folks, you know, it's hard. It's impossible for me not to let this impact my my own living mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So uh, my last question to you, Patsy, uh, what advice do you have for people of any age, but particularly older Americans whose lives are largely sedentary a lot of the time, who have a hard time getting motivated to, to move as much as they should? What, what, would you, what would you say? Well, I have to start by responding to something that Becca just said. Okay. And that was the day I was in my job, I had been with this company over 20 years, and I said, I'm 60, and I was celebrating, and I watched my manager's face change and the demeanor change. And I was out of there within one year. So saying your age and someone deciding that age is more than just a number, mm -hmm. um, I would like to say now the fact that this year, in January, I just became an all-American swimmer, getting the best in the whole United States, doing a 200 um, breaststroke better than any other woman over 75, and then coming home with 11 individual top tens and 11 relay medleys in the last two years, that someone would make a decision by just hearing age, no matter what age you are, the people that you're around, you begin, if you're around younger people, you behave <laughs> as younger people <laughs> behave. And no one really knows your age unless you tell them. So Becca, I needed to really, you know, obviously I have to think through what you just said because my experience was a little differently uh, received by someone. <laughs> but I want to say that, yes, age is, is just the number. Mm -hmm. And if you are out there with activity, you don't feel old. And, and, and the fact that someone would say to you that now you're supposed to move into a different home, we've been in the same home for 52 years, and I think familiarity is really important also. Mm -hmm. So um, I just would want to say be yourself and have purpose. Have purpose every day that you wake up to move and enjoy, enjoy around you um, your family. Because of those triathlons I'm doing with my, he was nine years old. We came in, we got a first place. You could do, my, my son called and said, hey, let's do some family triathlons. And we started taking home, you know, in my golden years, I'm taking home gold. <laughs> so Does that I, answer the question? <laughs> I was fascinated by what you were saying about your, your, your swimming uh, achievements and, uh, and, and sort of the, uh, the, the status that you've reached in your older age. Are, are, are you and Katie Ledecky like uh, social media friends now? <laughs> I certainly, she can swim that free forever. And honestly, that's where my strength is. So I would mention that. Like my, I didn't take home a top 10 in the 50 breast, but the, the long, the 200s, and I do the mile swims. Mm -hmm. And I've got a first place in the, in the mile swims in the nation uh, over 75. And, and we were shorthanded in uh, January. And they called me two nights before and said, we have a man who doesn't, doesn't think he can do the butterfly in the medley. Do you think you can do that on Sunday? And I said, well, I don't know. I'll look and see how you're supposed to do that. We came <laughs> in first. We took home. We set a record in wow. doing that. It was two women over 75 and two men over 80. Wow. And we set a new record for wow. doing um, the, the medley. So, you know, I just like to say yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Obviously so. Uh, Andy, same question for you. Any, any advice for our listeners? Sure, absolutely. I think it was uh, Satchel Page there. African-American baseball pitcher who said, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you was? That's right. And I'm, you know, not too aware of my age 
unless it's a requirement to enter a tournament. Once we're in the tournament, I really don't care, you know, who we're playing, what age they are. As we go about our business, I try never to, to play the age card. I just basically put it out of my mind. Mm -hmm. So the real message for your listeners, I'm picturing um, somebody maybe my age who's got the best easy chair in the world, is that you don't need to be a world-class athlete or run around the country playing in pickleball tournaments to, to have fun and be active. You don't even need to play pickleball. What you should do is something. Just get moving. It could be as simple as walking around the block. You could invite a friend to go with you. You could set out your clothes the night before. Just make sure you have your doctor's approval. You'll feel better. You'll sleep better. You'll have more fun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, rest assured that if you should need it, there's probably a physical therapist near you who could assist with any issues that might come up. So I'd say it's time to move forward, people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and thanks, thanks, for the, uh, thanks for the closing plug for the name of our, our, our broadcast. <laughs> we, we appreciate that. Um, well, uh, our thanks to, to all of you. Uh, uh, Becca, uh, Patsy, Andy, thanks so much for joining us today on Move Forward Radio. We've surely appreciated it. And I'm sure our, our listeners will get a lot out of our conversation. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Or find previous episodes at ChoosePT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at ChoosePT.com.